Dear brothers and sisters, once Christ described the kingdom of God as a treasure that was uh, hidden in a field and it was found. The finder immediately sold everything he had to acquire that field and secure the treasure. These treasures are uh, the contents of faith that we are given by Christ. And I believe what we read today in the gospel is uh, one of the most precious uh, treasuries that uh, we discovered in the encounter with him. It's a teaching that if a therapist or a coach or uh, any director that uh, may guide someone to discover the secret of happiness today could not replicate, could not even uh, be able to come up with such a secret as we heard today. It was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father, for he makes his son rise on the bad and on the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what recompense will you have? So not, don't, don't the pagan do the same? So be perfect just as your heavenly father is perfect. Why do I stress that this teaching is the key of human's happiness? Because by definition, happiness, fulfillment, coincides with goodness, while evil is the opposite. When we come to realize that evil is in the way of my happiness, it's simple to discover the, the secret of a fulfill, fulfilled life. Reject evil and do good. That is not easy for us because as fallen creatures, we are inclined to do evil, so to impair our own happiness. But we also discover the solution of it. In baptism, Christ redeemed us and left us with the fight so that if we surrender evil, no matter how appealing, how compelling it is, if we surrender it, even at the cost of that, if we let the seed of evil in us die, it will bear fruit. We will bear fruit. We will thrive. But uh, the real problem is, what do we do with the evil that others do to us? That do against us, that do against others. We can implore, we can ask, to change, we can try to force the other ones to stop that evil. That's what in human justice, jail, even capital punishment has that reason to prevent others too that we know will persist in doing evil to continue to do so. But still, in this fight, we realize that often that evil continue to prevail in us. And even if we find a solution to stop it, we cannot stop the memory. We cannot 
um, stop our memory to bring up the evil that we have received or the evil that we have seen doing against other innocents. So how do we uh, deal with that? How do we free ourselves from that evil? It was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your heavenly father. For he makes his son rise on the bad and on the good and causes rain to fall on the unjust and on the just. Be perfect, just as your heavenly father is perfect. This is the solution. Christ showed us also the way to live out that solution. When we forgive our enemies, the evil that is done to us may still cause suffering, but it does not get a hold of our hearts, of what is most precious in us, our inner selves. We become free from the evil of others. We become free, tied to another source, to God the Father, rather than being hooked, enslaved to the memories, to the anger that this injustice and evil has caused in us. Anger, which is the passion that God has implanted in us in order to react against evil, that makes us feel repulsion for evil and injustice, that passion can go out of order in us and become dominant and compelling and overwhelming us, driving us when the memory of our evil, of the evil received, comes back. When we decide, and I truly mean this, when we decide to surrender that anger, to unload it to God, to reserve, to give up the right to use it. Asking him to fill us with his love rather than hatred, even if he's right against someone else. And we decide rationally, intentionally, consciously to pray for our enemies. We will experience freedom, fulfillment, and love. Christ on the cross said, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. Even Christ lied. They knew what they were doing. He was not talking about Mary. He was not talking about John, Mary Magdalene, his friends, his followers, the one who were weeping in front of his suffering. He was talking about the ones who in front of his suffering were mocking him. In front of a suffering that were not, was not caused by an accident but a suffering that was caused by them intentionally. And we talk about uh, excruciating torture and pain. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. They were using his suffering to leverage on their mockery. They were challenging him. They were triggering his anger. My friend, it's not that Christ was a coward, spineless man. He did use his anger. And if we go through the Gospels, I think 
is more recorded when he was angry than when he laughed. He was not a burdensome person with his anger, but man, he was angry. He was capable of anger. He used that anger to get across the message to warn people to repent and to follow him. He used that anger. He was capable of it. But in the moment in which he was asked not to use it, there was no trace of resentment, no trace of vengeance in him. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. To the ones who were stabbing him, who were abusing him. For us, that control of anger is somehow impossible. But it's not impossible, it's not true. We can attain and uh, acquire that control differently from him with a sacrifice. But with a sacrifice that, yes, impossible for us, but made possible for us through his strength, through his spirit. Anger, often out of order, drove us, and we were always unleashed to that anger that we used it when it was not necessary. Often, we resorted to that when really there was no need. And so it became a way to do it. And it became often a way for us to cover a bigger of cowardice. Because we are angry when against the enemy when we are not uh, in charge of facing it. Think about also gossip. How often, you know, that anger, that venting anger is used and when we have the chance to bring up things, we don't have the courage. So we have to engage in a serious fight in us. We have to put to death that anger. We have to implore the Lord to help us surrender it in front of our enemies and to decide to love. Father, I, can, I cannot forgive, it's too hard. I often hear this in the sacrament of confession. I encourage, do not focus on how hard it is because climbing a mountain and saying how hard it is is gonna be the way to sadly say, I'm not gonna do it. Do not resort to that. It is hard, we all know how hard it is, but it is a decision that needs to be done, period. Emotions will follow. God knows when, for sure in heaven. But we need to forgive and decide to love our enemies in an instant and precise decision. If 10 seconds after, memory calls and recalls anger against that person, against that institution, I decide to again free myself from it by saying, I forgive. Father, I surrender this anger. God the Father, I surrender this, and I decide to love, to be perfect like you. Does love mean to consent, to approve the evil done by our enemies, who even defy openly in the public God and his law by acting as they do? No. Love precisely means that I hope, I wish, I spend my entire self so that my enemy may repent, may stop this evil conduct before it's too late. Because 
When a person dies, there is no point of return. There is heaven, but there is hell. God will deliver his justice to the ones who don't repent, as it can be for us, and will heal in eternity all the suffering caused by this evil. So loving our enemies is not a strategic, therapeutic operation to soothe ourselves from evil. It does so, but it's the adequate attitude of the ones who are rooted in heaven, which is real more than this. And we know that the gates of, the, of hell will not prevail against it. The ones who forgive and love his enemies is more real than the ones who doesn't. Therefore, in truth, we are aware in following this commandment that Christ was already victorious on the cross. My dear brothers and sisters, therefore, let's embrace this commandment again and decisively and courageously decide to forgive and to love, certain that in God's justice, the evil will be judged and eternally condemned. Let's love our enemies and so rejoice for being perfect as our Father in heaven.